Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. My name is Josh Barnett. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God. All right, so this morning, I want to talk, my, my title of my sermon is The Word, and I want to talk to us this morning about, pers- about some personal stewardship. Um, I want to equip you this morning. That, uh, there's, and, and, and you may hear these things and go like, yeah, I know that, Josh, but C.S. Lewis said we have to be reminded more than we need to be instructed. And there's glory in repetition because as, we get, as it gets repeated to us, we get filled with it. It becomes, it, it gets inside of us. We don't just read the Bible one time and this is a good book, I'll never read it again. It's no, like we're filled with it, the word, every single day. And so as I begin to say these things and you think, oh yeah, I know that, ask yourself, why do I need to hear that again? And let that repetition be something that causes it to overflow out of you. Amen? Um, and I specifically actually want to look at some scriptures that Paul wrote to Timothy. So turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And, and I've actually got, I've got five responsibilities that I want you, that I want to give you this morning. Five responsibilities concerning the word. They'll be easy to remember, but I, class, I think you should write these down. So I'm getting ready for school. I teach Bible class at CMA. And, and uh, so get out your notebooks. Get out your mobile cellular devices. Take some notes. There will be a test next week, so. And it will not be open book. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> We're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. I guess I should turn there too, huh? I'm sorry, 2 Timothy. Did I say first again? I, I told you, I got raptured during worship. I'm still trying to come down. Here we go. 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 2. I'm writing to you, Timothy, my dear son, may God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I am filled with joy when we, I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know the same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, and don't be ashamed of me. Either, either, sorry. <laughs> That's okay, I get paid to speak for a living. Even though I'm in prison for him, with the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by, appearing, by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. Come on, man. So our responsibilities this morning, um, number one is to know the word, to know the word, know the word. And when I say the word, I mean, right, capital W word, capital W word, John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the, he was with God in the beginning through him, him, all things were made without him. Nothing was made that has been made in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. We have a responsibility to know the word church, know Jesus. That does not mean in the beginning, God had a 1611 King James version Bible. In the beginning, the word, Jesus. Why does it call him the word? Because Jesus is everything that God wants to say about himself. Colossians chapter one, Hebrews chapter one, he is the living expression. He is the exact expressed image of the father. If you wanna know what God looks like, we look at Jesus, the word, and understand that all through scripture, we see him. And these are all his words in here. And from the very beginning, when God said, when he spoke, the word and the spirit of God came together and created everything. Come on. And we have a responsibility to know him, to know the word. And I love what Paul tells Timothy. Paul's writing to Timothy, perhaps his last letter that he's writing to his spiritual son here. And the first thing that he commands him to do is you better fan that thing into flame that's on the inside of you. Come on, church. You have a flame on the inside of you. You didn't start it, but we have a responsibility to tend it. 
We don't start the flame, but we have a responsibility to tend the flame, to fan into flame that spiritual gift that God has put on side of. What is the gift? The gift is the Holy Ghost. And as we fan that into flame, we begin to walk in our spiritual giftings. But our number one responsibility is we're supposed to know him, to pursue him, to live in relationship with him. Like, oh, like I know that. That's, an, that's like almost like, a, it's a mystery. It's like an unknowable thing. It's like, because as I get to know him, I get more excited about knowing him more. It's like this continuous, incredible, amazing thing that we are supposed to fan this into flame. We're supposed to stoke that fire. And then everything else that comes out of me is just overflow. Ministry is overflow. Gifts are overflow. Families overflow. Evangelism is overflow. Everything is overflow because I'm fanning into flame that gift. And it's not just that I talk to him on Sunday and Wednesday, but that I'm in communion with him every single day. All seven days a week that I'm in communion with him. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, abide in me. Remain in me. Stay with me. This is living in the kingdom. This is this is Christian Life 101. It's not one, two, threes and ABCs. It's passion. It's fire. It's love of Jesus. It's in love with him. He is our bridegroom and we are his bride and we live in relationship with him. Whew, come on. <laughs> and this isn't something that's supposed to wane. The only, thing, the only reason that our fire wanes is because we stop throwing logs on it. Because we stop going into the secret place and going after and pursuing him. We begin to read the Bible like it's the newspaper. We begin to read the Bible because we want to be right, not because we want to know him. Come on, we got to fan it into flame. <laughs> One of the, my favorite things about following Pastor Tim, our lead pastor, is he's, he's twice my age and he's twice as fired up as I am. My goodness, just be around him. Just come to our staff meeting on Monday morning and he's just like, he is so fired up all the time. I'm like, man, it's time for you to chill out a little bit, right? Like, easy. And you meet his mom and his mom is three times my age and she's more fired up than he is. She's 92 years old and she just got back from being in Belize for two weeks. Goodness gracious. I, and listen, I've never talked to Hetty and her tell me I'm tired. Never. She's always on fire. She's always burning. Why? Because she tends the flame. Ephesians 5.18 says, be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. Constantly filled. We live under the waterfall. We don't get filled up and poured out and filled up and poured out. We stay underneath that. And, 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 and I'm not... And I don't, I don't want anybody to feel condemnation this morning or like, you know, well, man, goodness gracious, like I, uh, you may have that passion, you may have that whatever, you know, but I, you know, I, I, I haven't been spending that much time. Don't feel condemnation. Feel conviction this morning of God saying, I want to be near you. Me? Yes, you. He created you. He loves you. He's Abba. He wants to be close to you. He wants to live in relationship with you. This is the most important thing. And all I want to do is stir up your affection for him this morning. And, and I think sometimes we get in our heads that we've got to have like some kind of like a, we, we, we've got to have more head knowledge about him so that we can know him more. Head knowledge is fine, but, but it's, this, it's the passion inside of a man. It's the fire inside of a man. It's this right here as we pursue him. Well, I can't really seem to overcome my struggles. Then get close to him. He's not condemning you or judging you and pushing you away because you're having a hard time. He's like, I'm the answer. Get close to me. Let me set you on fire. My, my boys are right here on the front row. My other two little ones are in the nursery this morning. They, my, my kids go to CMA. They're in kids' church with Tori. And dude, I don't care. I don't care how many letters somebody has after their last name or how many plaques are on their wall. Like the people that I want teaching my children are ones who are in the secret place. Yes, yes. Who, saw, who go pursuing his face before they come look at theirs. The reason that I love Lucas and Jason up here leading worship and Brandon up here leading worship is because I know that they sing their own song to the Lord. I don't want somebody that's gifted. While they're really gifted and talented, I'm not after giftings and talents. I'm like, I want men who pursue Jesus, who are going after him, and who are going to sing to him whether they have a microphone in the face or not. This is Christian Life 101. That we get close to him, that we know the word. We must pray. We have to seek his face. Coming to church is, is awesome, but it's not relationship with him. Christine Kane said that, that Christians don't burn out because of what they do, but because of what they stop doing. 
If you're burnt out and exhausted, it's not. If I'm burnt out and exhausted, it's my fault. So I'll take responsibility on myself. Sometimes I feel burnt out and sometimes I get exhausted. And the reason is because I didn't, like, I compromised in the secret place. I stopped drawing near to him. And so because I was not fanning into flame, guess what? The flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. That's not an excuse to sin. What that means is, is the spirit is willing. And as you draw near to him and he empowers that spirit, the flesh has to say, amen. I submit to that. The spirit is the renewed part of you. Mature believers live by the spirit, not after the flesh. And we do that by knowing him. By knowing him. By knowing the word. By knowing the word. We can't be dependent on other people's flames. We can't be dependent on other people's flames. I can stir up something on the inside of you. I can fan you from here. But really, you've got to fan it. You've got to get with him. You've got to go after him. When people say, like, I tried that, how long, man? How long did you try? How do we, how are we treating our Lord, right? (laughs) Silly example. He's worthy of all of our time. We're up here worshiping and acting crazy and whatever, and we have people make comments sometimes. Why do you worship so long? Why are those songs so long? Um, because they're for him and he's worthy. I would never go up in heaven and ask the angels, why are y'all singing the same song that you've been singing for 10,000 years? You don't want to move on to something else right now? Like, why do we sing that line over and over and over? Do you know what part of you wants to sing it over and over and over and over and over and over again? Your spirit. Make your flesh say yes, sir, to your spirit. I'm not, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to look at like worship isn't about us. It's not about getting a goosebump or feeling like Lucas didn't do the songs that I like. Right? Or man, I really wish we would do some hymns from the 1970s. I'm, I really wish we wouldn't. But if God lays it on Lucas's heart to do that, then awesome, I'll worship him. I've stood in a Baptist church before with a redback hymnal singing Jesus paid it all with tears streaming down my face. Come on. It's not about us. It's not about our flavor. It's about him. He's worthy, man. He's worthy. And you'll find if you worship him throughout your week when you come in here to worship, glory, right? (laughs) We can't be dependent on anybody else. We have to fan it into flame. He's worthy of our time. It's, and listen, I'll tell you this. It's a lot easier to give your money than it is your time. Did you wear your steel toe boots this morning? And, I, and listen, I'm talking to me too. Because this little sucker right here takes up way too much of my time. And I'm not condemning phones. Like, these can be awesome. Like, I love this because I don't have to carry around a calendar book all the time. I don't have to carry around a calculator in my pocket. I have to call my bank and ask them to transfer money. Like, this is incredible. Like, this is an amazing tool, right? But oftentimes it can be distracting. It can be distracting. And it can, it can distract the moment-to-moment day where we can learn to abide in him, where we learn to remain in him and go after relationship with him. And listen, if you are already experiencing these things, I, I, I find this oftentimes is like a lot of times we... we I have been experiencing some of these things in my own life and I get frustrated because other people aren't doing it. We can be, listen, you can be frustrated that other people aren't experiencing revival or you can just go after it yourself. Until you're so on fire that somebody comes in contact with you that they get set on fire too. Because I, I believe that we can steward I believe the word of God teaches that you can steward the presence of God to such a degree that all you have to do is walk in the room. This is a supernatural God that we serve. He wants to do supernatural things and he wants to do a lot more than give you goosebumps on the back of your neck. 
glory. Come on. We, and, and man, you think about, like, don't, there's, think about that song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. I hate that song. I don't let my kids sing that song. I never have. God bless you if you did. It's okay. But teach them that they have the Holy Ghost on the inside of them. The one that created stars, not a little light. The star breather lives on the inside. of An erupting volcano lives on the inside of them. All the demons in hell cannot put out your light. And if they are, it's because you don't understand the power of it that is on the inside of you because the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of you and lives inside of me. Why don't we see more miraculous breakthrough? Because we've got to fan into flame. We gotta, we've got to believe it. We've got to believe it. We've got to get there, man. And the reason that we don't oftentimes believe it is because we don't know him. And in not knowing him, it leads to unbelief. Well, we, yeah, we believe we believe in him, we believe he exists, but we don't believe him in his word. Which leads me to number two, I gotta move on. It's, oh my gosh, it's already 11.47. Lucas, y'all went way too long. You gotta know the word number two, you have to know his words. You have to know his words. We cannot separate the word from his words. These are his words. We cannot separate from, from his words. It's crazy that, 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 that culture is hell bent on defining Jesus when he self-defines himself. They want, to, they, want to self, they want to define Jesus, but God forbid you try to define them. Jesus self-defines himself. We cannot separate the word from his words. We can't separate the man from his message. Even the Old Testament parts that you don't like. Matthew 24, 35, Jesus says that his words will never pass away. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says all scripture, all scripture. When Paul's writing that, he's specifically talking about the Old Testament. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, ooh, we don't like those, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I'm gonna do the Tim line. Young people, listen to me. We have got to know this. We have got to revere these words. We have got to get scripture written on our hearts. This is so powerful because it is him speaking to us. Paul commends the, 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 the unbelieving Jews in Romans 10 for their zeal, but he says your zeal is awesome, but it lacks knowledge. And you see that in our culture a lot. It's like people have a lot of zeal, but they don't have a lot of knowledge. They got a lot of passion, but they don't have a lot of knowledge. And zeal without knowledge is dangerous. <laughs> Lots of zeal, lots of passion, but it has to be paired with knowing him. Ephesians 1.17 says, I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are lots of people who have great zeal for God, but they have no knowledge of God. Good theology is important. Good doctrine is important. Now, I want to pair these together. I want to say, I want to say a, a bold statement here. If your relationship with God is void of experience, you may be worshiping doctrine. Because Jesus even rebuked Pharisees for this. It's like, you study these things diligently because you think that they lead to eternal life. But he tells them, this is pointing to me and I am eternal life. That's what he's telling them. And so like we, we can read this like it's the newspaper. We can read this because we want to be right, but we're supposed to read this so that we get to know him. This is, we read this like it's a love letter to us and we want to grow. And I read this and I go, oh man, like, I, I, like, like Paul said, it's good, it's good for correcting. And, to, and I'm like, Lord, rebuke me through this word. Have that heart of David that says, Lord, is there anything in me that offends you? Let's get that out. I want to be like you. I want to be conformed in the image of Jesus. We've got to know, like knowing scripture is important. We have got to begin to see that just like when we're up here and we're worshiping and they're playing the guitar and that's awesome and it gives me a goosebump, we've also got to see that the teaching and preaching of the word is also worship. It's also worship. Why? Because it's honoring his name. It's lifting him up. Amen? Hmm. <laughs> 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 19, 
Paul says, Timothy, my son, I give you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to a faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so shipwreck, shipwrecked their faith. We've got to know truth so that we don't get shipwrecked. We have to stand on truth. Our authority comes from the word of God. These scriptures are God-breathed. These scriptures have authority, which is awesome because I have an authority outside of myself. I have an authority outside of me. It's not my opinion. It's so, it's so funny talking to unbelievers when they say, <laughs> when, they, when they talk about certain things, I'm like, where, like, where does that come from? That, that's, that's just your opinion. And that's your opinion against that person's opinion. And it's like, you know, because we're 2,000 years away from when this was written that we know better. That's silly. I have an authority outside of myself. I have an authority from God. I have an authority that I find in his scripture. Now, this Bible is not God. I don't worship this. I don't bow down to this book and like make sacrifices to it. Like that'd be kind of weird. But I cannot separate this from who he is. The primary point of my Bible is to point to Jesus. And the primary point of his words is to point to himself. We hear language like this, and I've used language like this. It's like people just need an encounter with Jesus. Yes, they do. They need an encounter with Jesus through what he says. Not through, we, not through who we say that he is, but who he says he is. Jesus told his disciples in John 15, after he just talked to them about abiding, he says, you're my friends if you do what I command. If you do what I command. And if we're his friends, then I, I want to do what he's commanded me. I want to do what he tells me to do. Why? Because I love him. And, this is unpopular, because he's my Lord before he's my friend. I want to say that, I want to say, I don't know, all statistics, all, a lot of statistics are made up, but I've done this study before, is that, that I'm, I'm pretty sure that it that says the New Testament refers to Jesus as Lord like 300 something times, and it only refers to him as Savior like 25 times. He's in charge, he's Lord. And so I have to do what he tells me to do even when I don't feel like he tells me to do it. Jesus gave us this example in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, not my will be done, Father, but yours be done. Amen. We have to, you gotta know this, it's not, you don't read the Bible and think, what does this mean to me? No, what does it mean? It's not what scripture means to me, it's what does scripture mean? What did the author intend to say when he penned this, when he wrote this down? So I said, if our relationship with Jesus is void of experience, we're probably worshiping doctrine. But I also, the flip side of that, if your relationship with Jesus is void of doctrine, you're probably worshiping an idol because you've crafted God into your own image. Easy story, Exodus, Exodus 32. Are y'all okay? Exodus chapter 32. When, when Aaron, or when Moses comes off the mountain and he sees the Israelites and Aaron has made the golden calf and they're worshiping it, and they're actually worshiping it in really awful ways. Um, when Aaron made the calf, he says, that most translations say, this, these are the God, this is the gods that brought you out of Egypt. But if you look at the Hebrew, Aaron says, this is Yahweh that brought you out of Egypt. So they were, they were worshiping God how they wanted to worship. Not how he said, this is how I want you to worship me. Because, Jesus, because God did say, let my people go so that they can go in the, in the wilderness and worship me. But it's worshiping him on his terms, not their terms. Oh, this is good. This is good. He's the word. He's the word. I love the mountain of transfiguration when Jesus goes up on the mountain because it's kind of like when Moses went up on the mountain. When Moses went up on the mountain, what did he get from God? The law. The word. When Jesus goes up on the mountain of transfiguration, who's there? Moses and Elijah. The law and the prophets. So you've got the word and the words and the word all coming together. And what happens? Jesus gets transfigured into his actual image. Isn't that cool? Come on. You ever thought about it that way? It's pretty neat. The word and the words and the words all together. All right, I gotta move on. Number three. So we know the word. In his words, number three, so that we can be like the word. 
to know him and know what he says and know what he's doing, to walk in holiness, to have character. Paul told Timothy in, in chapter four, verse 16, keep a close watch on how you live and your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever intently, who stares intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Ephesians 5, imitate God therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life full of love following the example of Christ. So we don't just get to do whatever we want. We're followers of Jesus. We're to live as he gave us an example. Jesus said in Matthew 7, if you do these things I teach you, you're building your house on a rock. You're building your house on a solid foundation. So what, what's the flip side of that? If we don't do what he teaches us to do, and, and we're not saved by good works, this is all, hear me, I know I'm talking to mature believers, but this is all in like, yes, we're justified by faith. We put our faith in him, we believe, and it's through that relationship that we begin to do what he says, what he's called us to do what he's commanded us to do when we begin to build our house on the rock and him being the cornerstone. And, and, and listen, I'm all for miracles. I'm all for signs and wonders. I actually think that we're moving into a lot of that. I think it's coming. I think it's here now and coming. But it's dangerous for a man to walk in power and not in purity. It's dangerous for a man to walk in power, not in purity, because you'll walk in power and think that you're right with God and not be. We, we've got to have both. It's dangerous for a man to walk in power who has not come under, dirty word, submission. We don't like submitting. But Jesus was a man who lived in submission to the Father. We are to follow his example and come under submission to him. We've got to know, like, there's a, there's a standard for us. A.W. Tozer said the Holy Spirit never enters, in, enters into a man and lets him live like the world. The Holy Spirit will not enter into a man and let him live like the world. His first name's Holy. He's going to call us to live differently. <laughs> and, 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 and we so, I think so many times we make this about like not, not sinning. That's a part of it. But Christianity is not about just what you don't get to do. It's about what you get to do. And if we focused on what we get to do, what we don't get to do wouldn't even be a concern to us. Because he's awesome. He's so much better than anything that the world has to offer. He's so much better. He's so much better. And I don't, listen, when I met Jesus, I was bound. I was in slavery. I don't want a grace that tells me I can keep doing whatever I want and get away with it. I want a grace that comes into my mess and pulls me out of it. Set me free from my addiction. Set me free from my sin. Set me free from myself and make me a new creation. A new creation. I don't want to look like the old me because the old me was evil and lonely and selfish. I don't want that life anymore because it was miserable. Whew. I love that graves in a garden. I searched the world. And it couldn't fill me. Oh, man. <laughs> and, and listen, we're called to live this, and, and this is such an important part of us gathering with each other and holding each other accountable. And holding someone accountable is not spiritual abuse. It's called discipleship. It's called discipleship. We're called to hold each other accountable to a high standard. To come to our brothers and sisters and say, like, hey man, like, you say that you're following Jesus, but I just want to show you, I want to show you this scripture. And then we humbly go, like, yeah, show me. Because if our immediate reaction is like, ugh, like, no, like, whatever, I, get away from me, I can do whatever I want. Are you judging me? That's not the attitude of Christ. Come on. We need real, deep community with each other. John Stott said to teach the standards of moral conduct that adorn the gospel and insist our hearers heed them is neither legalism nor pharisaic, but plain apostolic Christianity. 
a spiritual leader confronting us or, or a brother in Christ confronting us or correcting us is not spiritual ma- abuse or manipulation. The spiritual abuse and manipulation is like a real thing, but correction to behavior is not spiritual abuse. It, as a disciple of Jesus, we should want that. We should invite the correction. Teaching God's law and observing it is, and living it out is not legalism unless it's taught apart from the justification of faith in Jesus. All right, we got to move on. It's already noon. Y'all are holding me up, I'm telling you. Number four, to hear the word. We have a responsibility to know the word and his words so that we can live the word. And number four, hear the word. Hear the word. God wants to speak to you. We have a responsibility to hear from God. Number one, for you. Number two, for, for others, for your spouse, your children, your coworkers, your neighbors, strangers. Romans 10, 17, that says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. The word, and that, <laughs> the, 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 the word that, that Paul uses there is rhema, the spoken word of God. The spoken word of God. It, Paul didn't pin that and go, you know what? 2,000 years from now, if they'll just turn their audio Bible on and they'll listen to Romans 10 over and over and over and over again, their faith is gonna be built. Now that can happen, but that's not what Paul was talking about. Paul was talking about hearing a word from the shepherd whose sheep know his voice. Is it audible? Rarely. But if you begin to know him and his words and you begin to walk in obedience, he will speak to your heart so loudly sometimes that it feels like he's screaming. You will have these overwhelming impressions. And I believe that all of us are hearing from God a lot of times and we just write it off as our own feelings. You've heard the whisper before. Call your mom. Hey, you know that friend in high school that you had? I think you should connect with him. You're having a conversation with someone and it's like you get a download about their life. Word of knowledge. God's speaking to us all the time. He wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to us. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. (laughs) Well, I just don't ever hear God speak to me. Take this and read it. Read it out loud. And it might, you may hear it. But I have young people that come to me and say, well, God never speaks to me. I hear you say, like, Lord told me this, or Lord told me this, or Lord told me this. And, and so what I tell them is, go home and read Ephesians 50 times this week. He'll speak to us. Again, it's easier to give our money than it is our time. I don't have time to read Ephesians. Well, then you don't have time to hear from God. I'm not, I'm not being legalistic about how long you've got to read or whatever, but if you're not going to live in relationship with him, he's not going to speak to you. Isaiah 30, 21 says, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. God is speaking to us. He actually wants to speak to us. It's the very nature of a relationship, communication. It's a dialogue, not a monologue. Maybe sometimes we don't hear from him because whenever we sit and listen, we just talk at him and not with him. God bless you. He wants to speak to us. Now, and I'm gonna touch on this in a minute what God's what I can I can never say God told me something that contradicts this this is the plumb line I'm all for I'm going to talk about prophetic here in a minute but this is the plumb line right here I'm never going to say something that contradicts this and if I do I expect Paul to rebuke me sharply because that's what we're called to do it's like it's never it's never going to contradict what he said it can act, like it, it can be like it can supplement and, and oftentimes like if, if you're hearing something and like man it says scripture tells us test the spirits so test it does this line up with the word of God if so I'm going to act on it and oftentimes we, we feel those little nudges from the Lord and we don't think it's the Lord so we don't act on it but I'm telling you if you'll begin to step out in obedience and act on it and if you're acting on something that lines up with scripture what's the worst that can happen Somebody's going to think you're weird? Join the club. We're peculiar, peculiar people. Let's get weird. Let's get, we're holy. We're set apart. We're not supposed to be like the world. We have a responsibility. Parents, you have a responsibility to hear from the Lord about words over your children. Husbands, you have a responsibility to hear words over your wives. Wives, you have a responsibility to hear words over your husband. Glory. 
<laughs> I'll say this too. The willingness to obey God is what attracts the voice of God. The willingness to do what he says before he says it actually attracts him to speak. Draw near to him. He'll draw near to you. He wants to speak to us. Number five. Number five. Number one, know the word and his words so you can live the word, hear the word, and last, speak the word. Speak the word. We need to lead ourselves prophetically. We need to lead others prophetically. When I say prophetically, people get like really weird. Sometimes prophesying is just speaking God's word over your life or over somebody else's life. Speaking identity over somebody. You're speaking a truth over somebody. And it, what makes it prophetic is it may not line up with how they're living right now. What makes it prophetic is you call, the, you call things as, no, as though they are that are not. You call things that are not as though they are. Proverbs 2019, for a lack of prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. People need a word from the Lord. You need a word from the Lord. You need a word from the Lord. And we need to speak it. We don't just need to read it and hear it. We need to speak what he says. We need to speak what he says because in this there's power of life and death in the tongue. And I'll say that a lot of people in this room, you are really tired of life because you speak that you're really tired. You don't feel good because you speak that you don't feel good. Sounds like word of faith. It is. Word of faith, absolutely, 100%. Because the scripture tells me there's power of life and death in the tongue. So if you're speaking death over yourself, guess what you're going to feel? Death. Death. Which is incredible. That's, that's dominion that God has given us over the earth. And I'm not saying that we lie. Like, obviously, you come up to me like, how you doing? I'm blessed, brother. Their house is burning down behind them. But again, back to Hetty. I've never talked to Hetty and her talk. To, I've never talked to Tim and him talk about how tired or how busy he is ever. Not one time ever. Now, me, like I, I find my, I catch myself telling people how tired I am or how look. And and I just turned thirty-three. Glory, age of Christ. I told my wife I might get crucified this year, and she said, "Don't say that." And I said, "Well, he rose again, you know." People tell me, you're getting old. And I say, am I? I thought I was going to live forever. Maybe we feel old because we speak it over ourselves. Come on, I'm excited. Hetty is not down in the dumps because she's 92 years old. She's not just waiting for that sweet by and by. And Tim is not waiting for retirement. Oh, just a couple more years. Now get out of this hell hole. That's not the mind of Christ. Come on, can I help you this morning? Can I help myself this morning? What if we spoke those things over ourselves? Come on, not my will, your will be done, Lord. Can I say something? I've already said a lot of hard things. Why am I asking permission? Some of us are poor because we walk with a mindset of poverty. That hit like a lead balloon. I hit like a lead balloon. And, and, I'm, and listen, I'm not saying that, you know, you send me a dollar, you're going to get, God's going to give you 10. That's not what I'm preaching here. I'm preaching, man, look around and see how blessed you are. Look how incredibly blessed you are. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you so much for today, Lord. I thank you so much that you gave me another day to build your kingdom. I thank you so much that you gave me another day to be a husband to my wife. I thank you so much that you gave me another day to be a father to my kids. I thank you so much that I have another day here on this earth to worship you to build your kingdom. God, I thank you so much for my, for my boss. I know he's grouchy, but it's just because he doesn't know who he is. I thank you so much for my employee, I, employees. Lord, I know they're lazy, but it's just because they don't know who they are, but I know that they're gonna have an encounter with you through me because I'm gonna burn bright in front of them. 
well, they've been working for me for 20 years. What if I come in and start acting differently? Glory. Act differently. Change that mindset. Begin to speak his words. And listen, I'm talking to me too. Because I told you, I, last time I preached a couple weeks ago, I was like, I told y'all that God's up, that, that got to change the mindset because God isn't up there going like, dear me, Josh, I thought you would have it together by now. You're 33 years old. He's not, that's not the way that he thinks about us. But I still, I still get frustrated. I still have a lack of patience. I still, I still lack self-control sometimes. Just, to, just an easy example is like, is I, I grew up with really strict cleaning rules, like keeping the house clean type thing. Like Saturday mornings weren't about sleeping in. They were about getting up early and cleaning the house. And when I mean clean, some of y'all don't know what clean is. Bless you with that. I'm talking about cleaning baseboards and everything. You can clean it behind the toilet and a lot. You do, I know, it's sort of gross. Like, right, I know, it's nasty. Yeah, people don't have good aim. They need to, you know. <laughs> Some of you are like, ew, that's crude. <clears throat> Can't believe you would say that. But man, I, sometimes I forget that my boys are seven and nine. And sometimes I'm too, way too harsh. And sometimes I get mad because somebody left their shoes in the living room for the 18th million time that I told them not to. But man, I gotta, I gotta switch my language. I gotta switch the words that I'm speaking. If I've told them once, I've told them a thousand times. But what if instead of just grumbling and complaining about it, what if I picked up their shoes and said, God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much, Lord, that these, these shoes, the boy that wears these shoes is going to grow up to be a man who brings the gospel to the nations. How sweet it is, the feet that bring the gospel in peace. And what if I could begin to prophetically declare that over my kids instead of being so dang frustrated with them all the time? Because they are not acting like they're 30 when they're 7. Come on, man. I feel this really heavy on my heart right now is that, is that, some, that somebody in this room is not, you're not getting breakthrough in your business because you constantly think about how dumb you are. We're going to come against that lie. We're going to come against that lie because there, the Holy Spirit has stored up secrets for his people and he wants to speak those to you. And so we're going to switch our language from being dumb. We're going to stop holding ourselves back by coming in agreement with the life and the enemy and we're going to begin to speak the truth. I heard a preacher say one time that truth is never at the mercy of fact. The fact may be that you have a low IQ. That's okay. My goodness, I'm not. You heard me trying to read scripture earlier. It was fumbling through it. Words are hard. The fact may be that you have a low IQ, but the truth is that you are the head and not the tail. That you are above only and not beneath. Come on. You are the lender and not the borrower. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Change the way that you think for the kingdom of God is at hand. We've got to change the way that we think because we can't change our behavior until we change the way that we think. And you've got to start seeing and speaking over yourself what God says about you. And then you begin to speak that over other people. You begin to speak that over your kids and your spouse and your coworkers and your boss. And you begin to prophesy over them. And listen, what happens is people, they do this for like a week like it didn't work. Come on. Rome wasn't built in a day. There are, there are strongholds in our minds that have to be torn down, and sometimes tearing them down takes a while. And then building back what's right takes a while. And get some people around you that won't let you talk negatively about yourself. That speak the word of God over you and tell you how awesome and beautiful and handsome and incredible you are. I've never been around Miss Hetty and felt like a, like a worm, a maggot when I left her presence. 
Now, I've felt that way going into her presence before. But I've never felt that way when I left her. Earnestly desire that you prophesy. Why? Because prophesy, prophecy builds up the body. And it doesn't have to be some great word. It can just be like, hey, man, like, I really feel like the Lord wants you to know today that he sees you as a son. That he loves you and he desires to be close to you. That's prophetic in nature. Because you're speaking something over someone that they may not believe or they may not be walking in. So it doesn't have to be some big, deep revelation. It can just be speaking scripture over one another. All right, it's 12.15. Lucas went way too long in worship, so um, why don't we lay in the plane right there? Is that okay? All right, y'all stand with me, church. Let me pray for you. got a word for you we're on a mission we're not meeting just to meet we don't meet just to meet we don't gather for the sake of gathering we're meeting number one first to minister and to worship the Lord to be sharpened by the word and to encourage one another in fellowship we're not meeting just to meet and then we leave this place and we shine bright we shine bright me yeah me come on Jesus called Peter a rock. He changed his name from pebble to rock, Simon to Peter, way before he was mature. He called Gideon a mighty warrior when he was hiding. Come on. We're going to shine bright. We're going to take ground. We're going to make disciples. We're going to tear down strongholds, dark places. We're going to open blind eyes, unblock deaf ears, make the lame walk, and call the dead back to life. And here's what I want to encourage you, church. Stop praying. Stop praying to the point that you ease your conscience and pray and speak it until something happens. You're called to know the word and his words, to live the word, to hear the word, and to speak the word. All right, bow your heads with me. God, I thank you so much for these people. I thank you so much for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you so much for the families in this room. Thank you so much for the families in this room, for the marriages in this room. Lord, I'm calling these marriages into more, into more Ephesians 5 says that our marriages are supposed to represent the gospel. The gospel. Man, I get a feeling right now that there's some of you here that your spouse is not here because they don't want to be in church. And we're not going to grumble and complain. We're going to lift them up right now. We're going to lift them up right now. God, we ask for restoration of marriage right now in the Jesus' name. I feel there's some marriages to here that may be on the brink, may be done. You just can't get over the betrayal. You can't get over the lie. You can't get over yourself. Just rebuke the attack on our marriages right now in Jesus' name. And I ask that husbands and wife would come together like they never have before, that their marriages would just grow and grow and grow, that the fire would grow hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. Come on, man. God, I thank you for pastors in this church. I thank you for Tim and Terry and Paul and Angela that have such incredible marriages that we get to look to and we get to watch and we get to see them have fun, and we get to watch, watch them walk through trials and storms, and we get to see what Jesus' love in his church looks like through their marriage. God, I'm so grateful that we have pastors who have some of the most amazing marriages. Who cares if they preach the best sermons? I'm thankful for their marriages, Lord. God, I thank you for these families. Lord, I ask that the hearts of fathers in this room would turn towards their children and the hearts of children would turn toward their fathers and there'd be a restoration of, of homes first here and then out there. First here and then in our community. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I ask that a renewing of our minds would take place, that we would begin to see ourselves the way that you see us. Lord, convict us of sin. Show us the places in our hearts where we're offending you. Convict our hearts to draw near and to get to know you more and more every single day. Show us that this thing doesn't decrease, but it increases. That relationship with you and in you just gets better and better and better and better and better. Lord, I ask for breakthrough in this place today. I ask for breakthrough, Lord. I ask that as they go, as they go back to their homes, as they lay in bed for a Sunday afternoon nap, that their hearts would shake as they lay down. That they would have dreams about you. That they would see your face when they close their eyes. Come on, Lord. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come on, take a drink this morning. Take a drink this morning. 
Last thing is this. Sorry, I keep talking, but I really feel like this picture came up while I was praying. I don't want to ever over-spiritualize anything, but I feel like the, that I, I was even trying to get away from it like it wasn't the Holy Spirit. But, not, but a, a couple weeks ago, we had a, the water meter guy came and knocked on my door and said, do you have a leak? And I said, nothing I know of. And he said, well, you went through 1.2 million gallons of water this last month. And I thought, wow. I feel like my, heart, my, uh, my house would be floating. Long story short, we didn't have to pay the bill. Jesus pays it all, right? Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Got the leak fixed. It was under the house. Got it fixed. No harm. We noticed in the woods next to us that there was a lake that had formed. We just couldn't see it because of the woods. House is still there. Didn't float away. Praises. I mean, when the Lord builds the house, you know, you don't labor in vain, so... Matt, you're rubbing off on me, bro. Your sense of humor is rubbing off on me. Uh, man, I went to, uh, we went to this dinner last night, and I went in the Arlington bathroom. And uh, most bathrooms, when, you, when, I, when, it's like the, when it's the automatic ones, I always think, oh, it's going to be like a trickle. And I put my hands, and it shot out so hard that it splashed all over my suit. And I was like, golly. And then we went to, uh, Sarah and I went to grab a steak at, at Longhorns, glory, after that. And, uh, man, if food should stir up worship in your heart, and if it does, you're eating the wrong thing. <laughs> in moderation. And went to the bathroom and stuck my hands in and, like, all over me again. I'm like, Lord, goodness, this is really frustrating because it looks like I peed in my suit. <clears throat> and, man, I just feel like something is about to break open. I feel like wells are being stirred up in our church and in our ministry. And I feel like wells are breaking open in our hearts, in our worship. Signs and wonders, I believe, are coming to this community. And I believe he's going to begin to flow, man. We're going to see him move like he's never moved before. And somebody's going to show up and go, 1.2 million gallons, dude. And you're like, that's just normal around here. <laughs> Bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.